0: Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Isn't God good? What he's doing in Panama, what he's doing around the globe, what he's doing in America is amazing. And, um... I feel like I wrote this message three times in the last week, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm going to share something. But before I do, I want you all lift your hands. Because it's not about me today. It's, this is about Jesus. Oh, Lord, I just pray, God, as you come into this room, as you're already here, you're positioned throughout this building, Jesus, have your way. Jesus, have your way. From the beginning of this message to the end of this service, God, this is all about you, and it's only about you. And God, I pray that our heart should be about the audience of one, not the audience of who who's next to us. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just increase the faith in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to tell you guys something. I feel renewed, energized. Um, I called pastor last week. And I said, I feel like I need to go to Asbury. And pastor's never going to say no. Um, the only thing he said no to was him joining me. Because I decided on a Friday night I needed to be to Asbury. And I'm telling you, bought a plane ticket. Should have been one way because I should still be there. But I have a job, so I uh, enjoy the job I have. Um, but as I got there, God poured out. And I might be shaking up here because I just want you guys all experience the presence of God like I did, because it's not subject to Wilmore, Kentucky. It's because the Holy Spirit and Jesus flowed in and flowed out, and there was a covering, a hedge of protection. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you some stories about my experience. As I got on the campus, I went with a couple guys. As I got on campus, I just felt the peace. And I wish I could describe in words, but it's like this piece, I just wanted to bow. I almost didn't even get to the property because I just was like, God, you are here. And I'm begging God just to do something. And as God, as I got walker and I and I walked closer and closer, as I stepped on the campus, God said, it's time. It's time. What you're seeing here is a combination of prayers that you prayed. I was a youth pastor before I was a kids pastor, and I love being a kids pastor. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But the Gen Z generation has my heart. They have my heart. Twelve years I poured into them. Twelve years I've seen God do crazy and awesome things. But here's what God showed me. This move of God is not meant to stay at Asbury. It's not meant to stay at Baylor. It's not meant to stay at Texas A&M. I just found out Friday night, there's high schools in Tennessee that are having prayer meetings. I honestly just found out there's an elementary school who's being changed in Tennessee because the God is pouring out. When kids and youth get a hold of what God has, it's gonna shake a nation. It's not just going to shake a nation. It's going to shake a globe. It's going to go all around the world because Jesus cannot be stopped. The word of God cannot be stopped. Jesus is on the throne, and that's who I worship. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little excited here. Woo. Because God is the almighty. And I'm telling you, what I experienced wasn't this crazy hype, wasn't this rah, rah, It was a sweet presence of God's hand just being over the covering of the school. I've been describing it to my wife for about a week and I'm still unpacking a lot of things God showed me. But I felt like it was a dome. A dome of heaven was just over that campus, and there was this peace. And as I stepped in this dome, all I wanted to do was just cry. I wanted to get on my knees and say, God, I repent of everything I've done wrong. Everything, God, that doesn't glorify you to rip it out of me, because I want everything to be of glorification to you as King of kings and Lord of lords. That day I went, it was President's Day. There were over 15,000 people on campus. And let me tell you this, that weekend, they had 30,000 people on Sunday afternoon. And I'm going to tell you, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I, I don't think the school tried to shut down services. I think the town, the enemies, things the, were trying to say, you can't do this, this is too big. The infrastructure of this town was 5,000 people. So when I drove in, the roads were blocked. They have one major road in and one major road out, and it was blocked. But I went with somebody who had a connection, and we went through a little neighborhood. We got in the back way. We parked, and I would say, God, you go before. You ain't stopping. I met people there from Israel. I met people there from Africa. I met people there who were just hungry. China. Chile, all these places God was bringing people. I even heard of a story where somebody sold their car in Chile because they wanted to come and see the move of God. And it's time that we quit looking at a move of God as something that we should be spectators in. We need to be participants. We got to quit saying, I want to see a move of God. We got to start living like God's moving we got to start quitting and quit li- li- living like God is not going to show up if you don't spend time with him. You pray. You intercede. So I did not get into Hughes Auditorium that day because the lines were a mile and a half long. I got there about three and, a half early, three and a half hours earlier before service, and the lines were still a mile and a half long. So I knew God was going to be all over. So we, me and my friends, we were trying to find a place. And as we got in, we got into the gym. It was a new building they had just opened up for an overflow. It was the sixth room, sixth area on campus that's turned into an overflow. Did you hear me? Six. And they have three chapels, and they were overflowed. And they had used the student auditorium, and we were in the gym 2,300 people were in this gym with me. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what Hughes Auditorium felt like that day, but I'll tell you what what I felt. I felt the anointing of heaven. I felt drops of heaven. Everybody in that, everybody in the gym, everybody across the campus were on their knees and we were interceding for what God had. I'm going to tell you, we have great music here It wasn't about the worship team. Trust me, there were a lot of mistakes. It wasn't about any any hype. It wasn't about any perfection. It was all about King Jesus. And I'm going to tell you that King Jesus is all we should be worried about. I love these lights. I love the stage. But it's all about Jesus. And that should be our focus. So when God spoke to me, this is what he said. I'm sitting there in my seat and I'm crying. My legs are shaking. I was probably looking like this. I was like, oh, and um, I was shaking so much, and God said, you are the deposit to bring back to this house and release it. And so the best way I know how to release it is to tell you how God started it. And here's how God started it. February 8th, a Wednesday afternoon, they were having a chapel. And a young girl, after chapel was over, was sitting there, and 19 other people were glued to their seats. And this young girl stood up, and she said, I've got to admit something to you. And as she continues to talk, she said, I went to High Bridge, Kentucky. Now, that's what the name sounds like, High Bridge, okay? She went to a high bridge, and that weekend before, she stepped over the balcony of this bridge. She calls her mom and says, I can't do this anymore. I'm ready to end my life. She's a sophomore in the middle. She's a sophomore at a Christian college, and she can't take the pressure. And so her mama says, hey, if you're going to jump, let me be there to watch it. Now, don't ask me how that, you know, I'm taking this for word for word as it is. The mom got there. And the mom talked the daughter down. So at this chapel this Wednesday, she's sharing her testimony, what God said and what God did. Saved her life. And she said, I need to repent. I'm in the midst of all these awesome believers in Christ, but I'm not where I need to be. And she repented of her sin of suicide, of trying to kill herself. And I heard in that moment, God just came down. It's as simple as confessing the things in your life that are not glory to God, that are self-centered, that are things that will keep you down. Until you say, Jesus, you are my all in all, until you confess with your mouth the sin that you're walking through, the pain, the hurt that you're going through, God can't God cannot break in. He can break in, but he wants to see a surrender. He wants to see a surrender of you so he can be availed in you. You know, something else that just really sparked my heart in this was, thanks, Steve Banderman, for using my word simplicity. I have life group with them, and he's like, I'm going to steal that. That's great. I have been saying all week to people who have asked me, it's, been, it's a sweet fragrance of simplicity is what I felt when I stepped onto that campus. It was no hype. The hype of Jesus is all we needed. I mean, to be honest, I, I wish I could put you through, put some glasses on, let you see what I saw. Kids worshiping in the quad, different people leading worship, gathered around people just in a circle, pockets, because that's what God is. God is releasing his love on this generation. And I'm telling you, church, if you don't get behind this generation, then we're not going to see a move of God. Because I've been praying for 12 years that God would move, and God told me years ago, the next wave and the next move of God is going to come through the youth, is going to come through the young people. And I'm seeing that. Like I said, I'm seeing that Baylor, Texas A&M, Asbury, Christian schools all around the nation. It's a hungry heart. I'm going to share one last story and then we get into the word. His, there was this little girl and this mom in front of me. And um, they asked all the kids under 25 to stand up. And they said, anybody around them, just pray for them. So I laid my hands on this little girl. Her name was Maya. And I laid her hands and I just started to pray over her. And the mom is weeping as I asked her the kid's name. And the mom is just weeping and crying. God done praying. She sat down. The mom turned around and goes, we're Catholic. We just needed God. We just need Jesus. So let me tell you, this move of God is crossing denominations, generations. Because when God moves, people want to go. This move of God is not for the, It's not just for the Equesia. I heard I heard a pastor say Friday night I was listening to an online stream, and I'm gonna steal it from him because I think it's so good. Revival is for the church, the awakening is for the streets. And I'm telling you, we have a chance to steward a move of God in this place. Because the equisia, which means the church, we need to take to the streets. We need to take to the neighborhoods, we need to take into the communities, we need to take it to the nations. Because while there was a fresh outpouring happening in Asbury, what he's doing there, he can do here. And I stake my claim. What God's doing, what God did there, what God's doing there, he can do here. So I'm telling you, God is on the move. I want to encourage you. Speaking of God on the move, we're going to talk about Moses today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be jumping around in Exodus all around. So I'm going to read you out of Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Here we go. You guys ready? So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should not go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then... And God said, I'll be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is who I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. In verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers be sent sent me to you, and they ask me, what is your name? Then what should I tell them? And in verse 14, it says, I am who I am. The name above all names. I am who I am. You want to know something? Moses had this awesome burning bush experience just a few verses before. But what we see in verse 11 is he was discounting the call on his life. He was like, Who am I to go? In a few, and later on, I'll sure. But who am I to go? Because you know Moses, he killed an Egyptian. He was a murderer. He was an outcast. His calling on his life was not dictated by the circumstance. Because when God changes you, He sets you free. And when you're free, indeed, you better go out and run out to your calling. God didn't allow Moses to be disqualified from his past. Because let me tell you something: He will qualify you. I've learned a lot of the great preachers, They might there are great preachers who don't preach on a pulpit. They're qualified, but God didn't qualify them. I'm telling you, when he qualifies you, he'll send you, and he'll use you. God can do great things. God made this announcement to the Israelites. As he reached the heavens, God told Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Because I'm telling you, Moses had to be scared. Pharaoh was somebody he knew well. He knew wouldn't budge, but God was using Moses for his redemptive strength and his redemptive plan. God didn't look at his past and say, hey, I'm going to choose this guy next to you. No, God said, I'm going to choose you, Moses. You're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to be the voice that you use to speak into that generation, into that people group. See, Moses responded so weirdly to me that he said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Why? I've been pondering this all week. Moses, this man of God who had mountaintop experiences, was questioning God. God, why? Why me? Uh, I can't do uh, uh, God. And later on in Exodus 4, we're going to talk about, uh, he says, I have a speech impairment. I'm inadequate. I can't do uh, uh, uh. He's like, I, uh, 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 I, I don't speak well. I don't have this uh, train of thought. Moses was discounting his call on his life. And I'm going to tell you, you can be a willing participant in God's plan or not. He's still going to use you. I am seriously the most, my, my wife would call me the most craziest, weird person she ever knows, because I am a Jesus junkie, and I'm a sports junkie, okay? So those two things, when they collide, they're crazy. Um, I have a three month old, I should have been in bed. It was like midnight, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, I'm gonna turn on this documentary. And so I started watching this documentary of a baseball player's uh, catcher and a pitcher who just broke a record of 325 starts in their career, which is like 18 years to break. Um, And as they were talking about this documentary, here's what stood out to me. It wasn't that it was my favorite catcher and my favorite pitcher of all time. It wasn't that it was about sports. It's what one of his teammates said about the picture in this documentary. It was a 45-minute documentary, and I'm telling you, out of the 45 minutes, there was at least six minutes talking about Jesus. And I said, God, what are you doing? And this is what this teammate said. Fourteen years ago, this teammate was struggling, and the pitcher came up and just said, hey, God's got you. You're okay. You know, your plans are not your plans. They're God's plans. And as he was talking to his teammate, his teammate was like, I don't know who Jesus is. In a hotel room on a, on a road trip, on, they were going to play baseball the next day. The pitcher said, do you want to receive Christ? Had this Bible, handed him this Bible. They received Christ, and today, because of that, this guy, this teammate, 14 years ago, still has the Bible. He is saved. His family saved. His relatives are saved. Because when this pitcher knew his calling, he was a great pitcher and still pitching. He's a great pitcher, but he knew his calling wasn't about throwing balls and strikes. It was talking about Jesus. So don't ever discount your calling because you think that your calling has to look a certain way. Use the platform. Use the things God's given you to share who Jesus is in you. Because the Jesus in you is greater than the world around you. God doesn't define you by your past. I'm gonna share some stories. I'm not really a great storyteller like Pastor Dave is, but I'm gonna share some stories. I heard this, I heard this from another pastor. I'm telling you, I feel like I'm stealing everybody's material, but when it's this good, it's good. Um, and I'm gonna tell you, this story happened 60 years ago of a pastor. He's eighty, he's eighty-three years old now. And he this is what I love about how God moves. So those, this is not, might seem like a shameless plug, but it's really not. Ultimate journey is a powerful tool. And this story, if they had ultimate journey and it had Christ's life, her life, this lady's life in this story might look different. So I encourage you, if you've got something going on and you just need to be around people and you just need to get at the point of the things that the enemy's telling you things and you need God to just point it. Christ's life is going to, we're going to get healing for set free. Um, so I, this might sound very um, woo, spicy, um, I'm just saying. But so the pastor started sharing about how your past is seductive. And what sparked my attention was the word seductive and how the past is always going to sedue you and always pull you back in if you don't get set free of it. And uh, so he was talking about he had this lady in his church, like I said six years ago. So no Christ life, no way to set free. Um, I don't. You welcome to do what the measure in this story, but mm, yeah, okay, don't. So, long story short, he he told her after after months and months. This lady came in and was like, I'm hurt, I'm pained, spreading all her offenses, all her grief because her husband left her because she focused only on the new child. The husband left, never came back, and and every week she would come into the office and talk to the pastor. Well, I'm not good. My past, no one wants to be with me. I'm hurt. All because she focused on the pain and the hurt and the bruise and all these things that God wanted to do. So the, so the pastor said, hey, you know what? I'm going to encourage you. Go get a shovel. Go start digging a hole in the backyard and bury it. Because until you bury your past, you're never going to move forward. The, the greatest stop of momentum is looking back in the past. Okay? Like I said, I'm a sports guy. I love watching football. I love watching basketball. And if you, are, if you play football and you turn your head, you're stopping momentum. Oh, is that guy going to come get me? So you stop a little bit of momentum. But that's what God's called us not to do. Stay forward, look ahead, and continue to strive. Because once we turn around, we're losing a little bit of momentum. God's plan is to go forth. Bury the past. Bury the hurt. Bury the pain. Let it, let it free you. Because when you get set free, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm going to tell you, the past is only seductive when you let continue to hang on to it. It's only going to be holding. If you let it hold on to you, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to drag you down. It's going to tear you apart. The past will only keep you from moving forward. Because I'm telling you, God has great things in your calling. Hmm we are called in order to be sent out on a mission. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And each of us has a task to perform. God's not called us to the same task. I am not Hoel. I cannot sing like him. I can't even speak Spanish like him. Um, I'm not supposed to be Hoel. I'm supposed to be Drew. He's supposed to be Hoel. We, we all have a task to complete in our, in our lives. Some may go the nations. Some may go no farther than our families and our neighborhoods. Some may get all the attention and accolades. And some may be anonymous. But we all have a calling in our lives. Remember, Moses killed an Egyptian, and God still used him. Don't discount your calling. So we're going to step into how God provides. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 11, it says this. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servants. Lord, I have been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow as speech and tongue. Then in verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives the sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Moses was trying to discount the calling on his life. In later verses, it talks about how Moses, how God sent Moses, Aaron, his brother, to be his mouthpiece, to be the voice. Even though Moses felt like he was inadequate, that he was not the guy that was going to usher in the Israelites into the promised land. God used him anyways. Because when God's presence is with you, God's hand of anointing is on you, then nothing can stand against it. When God is for us, who can be against us? No one. No one. God provided Aaron to be his support. I'm going to share something with you. I didn't know if I would or not. I feel like I haven't been me the last couple of years. I'm going to be honest with you. And I share this because... God is good. And I'm not saying that we're out of this. I'm not saying that we have we have seen the true victory of what God's going to do. But God provides. I stood on this very stage a little bit over 4 years ago and I said I do to my lovely wife who's upstairs in Kingdom Kids. Um we did not know the challenges that we would face as a married couple. We didn't even know what was before us. we were kind of in bliss, you know that honeymoon stage. oh God's got this About eight months into our marriage god God says, "Hey, He woke us up, and we needed God more than anything. So we were sitting at a doctor's appointment a couple, about a year and a half after we were married, trying to figure out why we couldn't have a kid. We had multiple miscarriages and we were in pain. We didn't know where to turn to. We didn't know who to go to. We went to this doctor, and the first thing out of this doctor's mouth is, you two can get pregnant if you're with other partners. Oh. And I looked at my wife. My wife knows my reactions to things. I'm looking at my wife like, I'm already discounting what this doctor can do in my head. Then, as as he's mid-sentence, he calls somebody, during our appointment, and it was really hard to get this appointment, and calls somebody, and I look at my wife like, what is he doing? Why is he calling somebody when he should be talking to us about our testing and our, you know, like our next steps? All of a sudden, he slips over a piece of paper to my wife with a name and a phone number and says, hey, this person a couple years earlier had just walked through what you're walking through now, and I want to connect you with her and him. Let me tell you, we didn't even know, we were, we were so in despair, we were so broken, but God provided this couple in our lives for hope, for resources. This couple lives in Ankeny, we didn't even know that, this couple lived in Ankeny, this couple was Catholic, they, they had kids, they worked through that issue and had kids, Let me tell you something. God provides even when it seems hopeless. God provides even when it seems like it's the worst of the worst. Because let me tell you, God is on the throne. Like I said, I thought he was crazy. I love this doctor today, but those first two knocks on him, I was like, okay, strike one. Strike two. What is going on? If I get strike three, I know how this goes in baseball. You're out, and I'm out of here. But. He walked with us. This doctor called us and walked with us. And I will tell you, like I said, our story's not done. We have a three-month-old, and I'm so excited to have a little boy. Yeah. But see, God provides even when you least expect it. We got answers to all the miscarriages we had, and we still even this day, sometimes walk through things that God's showing us about that. But I'm telling you, when God provides, He'll make a way. No matter what you're going through, God will always provide. He'll always be with you, every step of the way. In Exodus 33:17, it says, "33:17 says this: God says He knows us by name. Let that sink in that He knows us by name. Moses knew." God knew Moses by name. Yes, God knows how many hairs on a head, but he knows you by name. And here's the, here's the point I'm going to make really quick. Because I feel like all week I prepared people to be prepared for what I feel like God's going to do next before the service ends. In those two, we had two hard years, and I'm going to be honest. Um, if you know my wife, that's awesome, but she's not a super talkative like I am. I am the talker of the group. Um, she tells me to be quiet, so she's not here in the front row looking at me, so I will talk. And um, But we went through two very hard years of pain, and I remember one day, it was a Friday afternoon, my day off, I'm sitting in my prayer closet, which was our bedroom in our old house where we lived in Norwalk, and all of a sudden, I had just this righteous, unrighteous anger inside of me that said, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned us? Why have you left us? I have served you for 13 years in full-time ministry, and you don't care about me? I'm seeing miracles and healings happen all over the place, and I was broken in one way, I wanted to cry and ball my eyes out, which I did that day. I did not do the latter. I wanted to punch a wall so hard. My wife's voice was in my head, you punch that wall, you got to fix it. I ain't fixing it. Um, my wife is the, is the home improvement person. She loves doing all that. Um, but I went from, I went that day from, God, where are you? To something that God said, I spent a couple hours in that prayer closet asking God, why do I want to do this? And God said, you need to channel your past into your future. And the only way to see victory is to channel that pain and that hurt. And then I'll clearly will never forget this day. It happened at 2.48 Friday afternoon. God said these words to me. I have not abandoned you. I know you and know your heart. And he had to, God had to add this one thing in there. Trust me, I have good for you. Let me tell you, we've seen our victories. We're not there yet. We named our kid Zion because it means the dwelling of God's presence and we wanted to honor God. We prayed about it, and we want to honor God because God gave us this child, and we know that this child is not ours. This is God's child. And so that's why I say our story's not complete until I see how this kid will be raised and grow up in the sight of God. But see, I'm telling you, God knows you by name. God will provide. You, each and every one of you, have a calling on your life. Don't discount what God has placed in you because what he's placed in you is good. I don't want you to have experience like I do to know that God is good. Trust me, I've seen my own miracle, my own healing in my life, and I had to, in those moments, know that God knew me by name. God doesn't make mistakes. Might sound like I'm jumping all over the place, but I feel like, I feel like I want to say something to end. So, worship team, if you want to come on up, we're going to jump back into worship here in a minute. But before we do, I want to say this. There's a generation that's hurting. There's a generation that was tired of what they were seeing. And they pressed in for God. And you know what happened? God pressed in and he released. And when he releases his presence, there's nothing like it. I was talking to, DeSeer um, went to Asbury. And we were talking, and I'm telling you, the five hours I spent there felt like five minutes. Because when the presence of God inhabits in a place, there is no imaginable time. And this generation, they're called the Gen Z's if you don't know which is an age group from 97 to 2012. And I kind of had to laugh at God the other day because um, he's like, Drew, you still got Gen Zs in your elementary. And I'm like, oh. So this, this generation has my heart. This generation has fire upon their bellies, upon their souls. I didn't know what I was going to do, but here's what we're going to do. I would like the prayer team to come up front. Because I'm not leaving a service. Asbury taught me one thing. If you need God, you need a miracle, you need a healing, don't wait for a preacher to say, come down. Come down and receive your miracle because God's here. It's not about a preacher. This movement that's happened at Asbury is a faceless move of God. There's not one person, not a famous preacher behind it because it's all, when it's all about Jesus, that's all you need. Gen Z's, I I, I want everybody under the age of 25 to stand up for me right now. I want you to lift your hands under 25. Fire. Fire. Consume them right now, Father God. Oh, Jesus, release your spirit in this room right now. But, Lord, I pray for the Gen Zs, God. Lord, that you would melt their hearts, God. That you would set them free of depression. You would set them them free of self-worth. That you would set them free of the self-esteem. Lord, I pray against any lie of the enemy. It has no authority in this house. It has no authority in their hearts. Lord, I pray that their minds and their heads will be released of heaven right now. Everybody else in this room, I want you to raise your hands. I'm feeling like, I don't care how old you are. It starts with the youth, but it don't matter. God is not a respecter of age. Lord, I pray over this building. I pray over these people in this building right now, God, that you would just release heaven, that you would just release heaven over them. Lord I just pray right now God that heaven would just be released I'm not this type of person I'm really not but I feel like God's saying if you're dealing with anxiety you're dealing with suicidal thoughts if you're dealing with something that is sin which my definition of sin is anything that God won't bless big and small that's my definition my kids my elementary kids they know that This is the place. This altar right here is the place to lay down what the enemy has told about you. This is the place that says, I am not going to live this way anymore. If you want a renewal of your mind, you want to set free of those things, I want you to come up right now. Anything from pain to healing, physical. You don't have to wait. As I'm talking, come up. Because God wants to set you free. Today, I'm not leaving this service until God has his way, until God moves. Because all week, God's been saying, you open these altars for me to move, and I'll move. Come and receive. Come and receive. Some of you are leery that's sitting in the balcony. Some of you are leery that's sitting in the back. Some of you are just thinking through your own head. Don't think. Do not think. Just allow God to use you. If you feel tugging in your heart, come. Don't miss an opportunity when God is saying, Son, daughters, I love you. I want to set you free. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Asbury doesn't have to happen in Wilmore. Asbury can happen here, in this place. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.